welcome back to On the Horizon with Mark. Uh, before we get going, I want to kind of uh, make a little bit of a correction from our last podcast. Uh, Kyle Roeder was telling us a story about an encounter, and I thought he was talking about a bear encounter, but it turns out afterwards when we were listening to the podcast back, he told me that it was a, actually a deer and a fawn that he was talking about coming after him so i just wanted to correct that and because i kind of made myself look like an idiot on it (laughs) so uh that kind of leads me into our guest we got uh, jacob kelly here for us and he's got a story go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us your bear story that you got Uh, my name's jacob kelly and uh mark had mentioned it on the last podcast um so my daughter this year drew the a youth cow tag for east northern and uh, I had called ODFW and confirmed that I could carry a rifle with a valid bear tag while she hunts for her elk. So that's what we were doing. Um, I had a valid bear tag and was carrying a rifle. So she had her rifle, I had mine. Anyway, I know there's a lot of bear over there where we hunt. I see them, uh, hear them. I mean, sign. Because you, you, you guys it. had the opportunity to take one the year before. Yeah. Or she had the opportunity. She I'm had, sorry. Yeah. She had the opportunity yeah. to take one the year before and ended up not. Yeah, not she had the trigger. opportunity, but being a young hunter, you know, she didn't feel comfortable with shot, which is fine. I understand. Yeah. So it's no big deal. So we know we know there's bear over there. So anyway, we were day four into our hunt, and we walked down this. Uh, they call it a creek, but it's pretty wide. It's probably between a creek and a river, how big it is. And uh, there's an old road that follows it, and it's blocked off. You can't drive it anymore. It's walking only. Yeah. Kind of like an old skid road. Yeah. So we're we're walking in, and first thing daylight, we start walking. And to- total walk distance was three and a half miles to where the incident happened. But anyway. Uh, as we're coming in, we can smell bear, you know, that bear smell, it's got that, you know, it's not quite wet dog, but that's the closest thing you can identify yeah. it as. Anyway, kept smelling it, saw scat on the road, fresh scat, I mean, real fresh. Um, so then we get about, we get about two and a half miles in and there's, you can see where the elk had come down the hill towards the river or creek and, uh. So we kind of go into the willows down at the bottom down there, and we could see where they had been roaming around, and we found fresh elk piss. So and in the dirt, yeah, it wasn't even dry yet. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, we're getting close. Yeah, and you could smell them. We're we're in elk, you know, we're close. So all we need is one cow, one antlerless elk. So we start following them. We see where they come out of the willows, and they actually circle back around. And they came up on that road we were on. Well, they were walking, and there was probably, from what I could tell by the tracks, probably five, six elk, maybe seven, in this little herd. So we're we're finding fresh elk sign, and uh, about three and a half miles in, we stop, take a break, take a drink of water, and we at, we're standing there whispering talking you know not not have full-blown conversations but kind of just i'm letting her know what we're going to do next and stuff just kind of going over the plan of attack yeah for 
getting into the elk. Yeah. So as we're standing there, I hear a limb break off to my, would be my left. And then an, a, another limb break and then another one. And it sounded like it was going away from us. So just so everybody understands, my mindset was elk. We're in elk, right? We're in them. It's fresh sign. I mean, we're right behind them. Like, oh, they've been right next to us the whole time we've been sitting here drinking water. Dang it. (laughs) So I was like, damn. So never smelt bear. Never heard it. Nothing. So if you can imagine this road kind of has a U in it, right? Okay. So we're coming. If, if If you're looking at the U... We're coming, walking towards the right, uh, you know, would be the left finger of the U if you're looking at the U. So we're walking, and I get close to the brush, I'm trying to look in there. You know, it's not terribly thick, but it's thick enough. It's not like here, Western Oregon. Yeah, not like Western Oregon. (laughs) Yeah. So, So anyway, so next thing I know... Before I could even understand what's going on, I hear claws on a tree, and it's going up the tree. And about a split second into that, I knew exactly what it was. You're like, oh, I was like, that's that, a those, bear. Those that's, are bears. That's a bear cub. That's a bear cub. Oh, it's a bear cub climbing. I never saw it, but you can hear. I mean, you understand what's yeah. going on. And bef- I mean, this all happened so fast. I mean, it was incredibly fast. Before I could even understand fully what was happening, I knew it was a bear cub. I knew we needed to start backing out. Mom was pissed, mm-hmm. and here she comes. Yeah. She did not give any warning, no huff, no teeth snapping, no nothing. She was coming, and it sounded like sounded like a pickup truck coming through the woods. <laughs> but she was growling. She was coming right, snarling, at you. and everything as she was running. So. I immediately drew my pistol. Sometime, I, I mean, like I said, it happened so fast. Sometime in between all that, I drew my pistol and was backing up. And she appeared about, like, she just came out of the bushes, like, just appeared, basically. And literally, no joking, 10 yards from us. Yeah. So... Just out of nowhere, right on top of you. Yeah. I mean, I knew she was coming, and we were trying to back up. Um, I was just trying to assess the situation. Well, as soon as I seen her, my instinct was to run. I don't know if... I mean, I'm sure that was stupid <laughs> <laughs> looking back, but, you know, in situations like that, you don't really... I mean, you just react. Yeah. It, it's more reactive than it is mm-hmm. critical thinking, unless yeah. you're trained like a police officer in military yeah. or something, you know, trained for those situations. So anyway... I took off running. Made sure my daughter was with me, of course. I didn't just leave her in the dust. (laughs) (laughs) Me or you. It wasn't that. (laughs) Yeah. So she was coming with me. Um, Now, like I said, the road makes a U. So this was another stupid decision of mine is we ran to my right at the time, which would have been the belly of the U. Okay. Now we're standing in the belly of the U. She's in there pissed off. Beyond pissed off. Yeah. She is making every bear noise there is to make. She sounds like she's tearing trees down. She's letting you know that, that she's, she's there. Pissed. Yeah. Well, at the time, I did not realize this, but my daughter told me later, after this was all done and said and we were talking about it, she had followed us. 
when we ran, she was running with us. Oh, really? She was not. So she was able to peek behind her and seen her coming out, yes. coming with you guys. But at some point, she went back in the, in the brush. Um. Now the belly of the U is there's the road. Let's, there's the road. In the middle of the U is is the brush where the bear's at. And then from the road to the creek is probably 40 yards, and it's a drop-off to the creek. Yeah. So we're standing... drop-off, you're not jumping over. No. Well, no. <laughs> so we run to the belly of the U. I'm assessing the situation. I got Now I have my rifle out because I feel like I... I don't know. Just, yeah. Like I said... I don't know why. Yeah. Now I have my rifle. Why? Your instincts said to put the pistol away and yeah. it's rifle time. Yeah. So I hear my daughter tell me we don't have a way out. She said, you ran us into a corner. And I'm standing there looking at the brush because I'm not taking my eyes off where she's at. I said, find a way out. She said, there is no way out. And the only way to get by her was to get closer to her. And I, I realized that, you know, I, I realized that at the time, and, and, and now looking back, you know, the, the only way to get by her was to get closer to her, right? And she had already told us we were too close for her comfort. Yeah. So anyway, by the time I was told by my daughter that we had no way out, literally within a second or two, she come busting up through the brush. I'm I'm looking. There's like a tunnel, if if you can imagine, like a like a alleyway in the trees. Looking into the brush, and I'm kind of I'm already looking in there because that's where I can only really see in there. Well, daughter says no way out. Boom! There's bear. Here she comes. She came basically peered out. She came up from somewhere. I don't know if she was down in a hole. I don't know if. Um, there's a den in there. Yeah. I don't know if she was behind a log. I don't know, but she came up when yeah. I when I. She just popped up. And she just popped up. And she was coming again, so. I just. Let drew, her, drew I, down on her. And... I just let her have it. I I didn't know. At, at the time, I didn't feel like I had any other choice. Yeah. Um, especially just when my daughter told me. You had no way. We to had no way it. out. It was. Now I'm protecting my cub. Yeah, you exactly. What I'm saying. Yeah. So, um, so I, I have never harvested a bear before, but on videos and stuff, they have what they call the death moan. Mm-hmm. I never heard it in real life, but yeah. I, when I was done shooting, I'm standing there and I'm waiting to see. I could see her. So I could see her laying there. Yeah. So about how far away was she? Uh, the second time she was about 20. No, when, when she finally dropped. Uh, about 20 yards. About 20 yards. About 20 yards. I, I think 25 to 30 is when she started coming. Like the yeah. second time. So anyway. So we get. Uh, I get she's down. I'm standing there. I'm waiting to see if she'll get back up to see if it's safe to leave. Yeah. <laughs> right. And all of a sudden. It's this, it's a death moan. I yeah. mean, there's no other way to explain it. You can hear like this grumbling, last breath, yeah. watery breath, and it's real deep. And uh, then at that point, at, th- at that point, 
I knew she was gone, so I knew it was safe to uh, safe to go. Yeah. So we, I, I looked at my daughter, asked her if she's all right. She, you know, her her eyes are as big as her as her head. Yeah. <laughs> and I looked one more time just to make sure before we started walking, and I saw a cub. I thought, damn it, you know, I yeah. I didn't want to have to do this. Yeah. You know, I, I I really didn't. Yeah. Yes, I had a valid bear tag. No, I was not looking to shoot her. No. All right. So that was not my intention. Yeah. Um, I, I tried to get away from her, and I'll admit it. It was my fault. I made the situation worse by running to where I did. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we got out of there. You, We were probably 100 yards away. We could hear the cubs crying. Yeah. And my daughter getting all sad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and she's... She's like, oh, that's sad. But, you know, she understands we had to do what we had to do. Yeah. Anyway, we made about a three and a half mile walk. (laughs) It took us about two and a half hours to get in there. It took us about 40 minutes to get back to the truck. (laughs) I was... Needless to say, you were no longer hunting. You were getting back to the truck. (laughs) There was no... I didn't check on her. I didn't go look at her. I didn't do anything. My my goal was to get out of there. Get away as fast as you could, you know. I have spent as long as I can remember. I mean, I was so young when my dad started taking me in the woods, probably five, six years old by the time I could understand to be quiet. Yeah. And I tell you what, it, I can sit here and admit as a grown man that (laughs) it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. I bet. I bet. Yeah. And it makes you look at the woods a little different. Yeah. And knowing that. That bear could have had me, or had us. Yeah. I, I don't, she didn't want us. Because no. at 10 yards, she, when I first saw her, she, we we could have been dead. Yeah. Or mauled, yeah, whatever. Mauled, yeah, it's One of the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, her intention was to get us away. Yeah. I, I understand that. She was not looking to kill. Yeah. Um, because if she wanted to, she could have. I mean, 10 yards is nothing for a black bear. No. So... Anyway, that was uh, that was an underwear changing moment. I bet. And uh, you know, it, it. My biggest fear has always been cougar. Yeah. Because you'll never. And honestly, you know, I, I I swear this is the only reason I was carrying a rifle. And you know, if I saw a bear that was legal, I would have shot it, of course. But I mainly carry a rifle with my daughter if I can for protection yeah cougar protection yeah but now having an encounter with a black bear they're just dangerous i yeah. mean they can be yeah i'm not nine times out of ten they're more afraid of you yeah i mean i've scared black bears in the woods before yeah. you know and uh but anyway yeah they, they can be yeah and, and the only reason she was was because she had cubs yeah so anyway so to lead up to me being the mentor I am, yeah. told my daughter, I said, we need to report this. Um, you know, I, I've, I got back to the truck. I drove up, found cell service. It was on a Sunday, so ODFW was closed. The offices were. So I called the local OSP office, and she transferred me. Uh, she transferred the, not me, she transferred the information to a, uh, to the closest state patrolman that was 
to me. Yeah. And he called me back, got my statement, and uh, he, you know, he was, he was a cool guy. He wanted to make sure we were okay. And he wanted to know if we were leaving. He's like, is that enough to make you go home? Or are you going <laughs> to stick around? I said, well, we're going to stick around. Just be more cautious. Yeah. You know, you know be more, be more vigilant. Yeah. So, Monday, at some time Monday, they must report it to ODFW. Tuesday, ODFW called me, but I did not receive the voicemail until Thursday because I would go every In day. In and out of service, yeah. I would go every day, sit up on top of the, uh, the cliff where we could get service, yeah. and I would wait. It just didn't come through until... Yeah, I'd wait half hour, 40 minutes, see if I got any voicemail or anything. You know, because yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm legitimately trying to... Yeah, do the right do the right do thing. Do the right thing. So anyway, I get it Thursday, and it's you know the guy told me what the date is, and it was that Tuesday, and I was like, oh damn. So I didn't want to feel like it. Yeah. I kind of feel like jackass, you know, like I'm not trying to avoid these guys. Yeah. You know? So I called him back, and he said uh, it was a it was an ODFW biologist, and he said that they. Uh, let me back up a little bit. They they the OSP wanted uh, GPS coordinates. I gave him the. But anyway, ODFW biologist said that they recovered the sow. He said there was no cubs with her when they got there. And which kind of, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, it kind of broke my heart a little bit yeah. because I'm like, you know, I didn't want to have to do this. Yeah. But he told me, he said, don't worry about it. He said the cubs are either, they either should have been weaned or they're very close to being weaned. Yeah. So he said they're... They, they should be at a, a time of their life to where they should be able to sustain through yes. the winter. Yeah. So they were getting ready to be kicked out anyhow. Yeah. Not, not that it makes the situation any better. But, no. no. <laughs> but anyway, um, anyway, he talked to me for probably 20 minutes. Just want to make sure we're okay. He said, don't worry about it. You know, he said, he told me, he said, I would have done the same thing. Yeah. So don't worry about it. So, uh, you know, I have been cleared by ODFW and OSP. And it was uh, a self-defense situation. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just want to make sure my daughter knew that if you're ever in a situation like this, you know, and I've always told her, it doesn't matter. You know, if you, sh I'm going to kind of get down a rabbit hole a little bit here. That's but, all right. But I've always told her, you know. Just like anybody, anybody teaches, should teach their kids or does, is if you're going to shoot something, make sure you know what's behind it. Mm -hmm. If something happens, you shoot a cow and there's a bull behind it or another that cow you didn't see. that you didn't see, I mean, first of all, you should have made 110% yeah. sure. But even, okay. even in those situations, even you can those, think that you're 110% sure. Yeah. And sometimes an accident's going to happen. Yeah, and, and you, you have to report those. Yeah. You I have mean, to do the best you can to make sure you don't. But in a situation yeah. that it does come up, do mm -hmm. your part to make sure that you are being the most ethical hunter you mm -hmm. can. That's one of that kind of going to roll us into our next segment of hunting with kids. So I'm, mm -hmm. glad, I'm glad we got to that. Because... Yeah. That's something we want to make sure that we instill in these young hunters is doing the right thing. You can do the best you can to be the best, most ethical hunter, mm -hmm. but you want to make sure that your kids understand that an accident may or may not happen. If one does happen, you're gonna you're gonna every game warden you talk to, they're gonna tell you it's they are gonna be more lenient to you if you fess up and admit 
what happened mm-hmm. rather than them finding out and having to track you down. Oh, yeah. It's just going to piss them off. It's going to make them think that you were trying to hide trying it, to hide it mm-hmm. or that you possibly did this misconduct for a different reason than an accident. So if you do get yourself in a situation, the right thing to do is to just... Make sure you let the proper authorities know what happened right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're you're gonna get fined or whatever. They may not, you may, you may not, but it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the morality of it is doing the right thing. Exactly. Yeah. Know? And that that animal that you, you know, let's say you killed two cows, one you know one on accident, you didn't realize uh, that cow is not gonna go to waste. They're gonna yeah. they're gonna take it. They're gonna do something with it. Yeah. You know. So, you know, I just try to teach her. All my kids. I mean, my oldest is what I'm hunting with now, but yeah, you know, I'm gonna teach all my kids the same thing. Yeah, so. yeah, the, and uh, so yeah, so your daughter. This is her second year hunting. Uh, no, this or is third year. She's 16 now, so it's fourth year. Fourth year hunting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So she's she successfully got an elk last year. Uh, Two years ago. Two years. Okay. Same, so two, same area. Same, same area. area. So two years ago, she successfully harvested an elk in that area. That cow, yep. What What was her thoughts on that hunt? So, <laughs> my daughter doesn't get excited about nothing, right? She, <laughs> she's pretty even-keeled. Oh, little. man. She's so laid back. Doesn't matter. Whatever. Her first deer, um, this is going to lead up to the elk, Yeah. her first deer, she was 12. She shot the deer. You know, I'm 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 in the woods doing backflips. You know, yeah. I'm climbing up trees. I'm, yeah. I'm doing backflips. You're ready to just holler at the you top know? of your lungs and no, everybody man, that'll I'm, listen. I'm excited. She's, yeah. She's standing there looking at me like I'm an idiot. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, this is this is the cool. You know. Yeah. So, literally, I'm not even joking. My dad walks up to her. You know, he was there when she shot her first deer. He said, "Well, how you feel?" She goes, "I'm hungry." <laughs> <laughs> That's that's how excited she gets. That's right? how excited. Yeah. First, so, first deer. She hungry. She wants a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> you can't say the darnest things. Don't yeah. You? yeah. So anyway, so leading up to two years ago, she would have been uh, fourteen, and we get into a herd of elk, and she drops a cow, and uh, she, I could physically see her shaking. I said you that, could tell that she had a little. Oh, bit, that one she got had a to look, her. That one got to her. She got a little excited that about that. That one got to her. I know exactly. Yeah, I could tell. She. So I, I. I said, "How do you feel?" And she's like, "She told me." She goes, "That that was exciting." <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, so that's awesome. So you, know, you spending more times in the wood. That one kind of. Yeah. She, she liked that one a lot. She yeah. did admit to me this year. Uh, we you know we um, we were down there for ten days. Uh, during, same same hunt that the bear incident happened at, and you know drive around the truck, talking to your kid. You know you just spend some quality time together. And she did tell me she said, she goes, I really do like elk hunting. She said there's just something about the adrenaline. Yeah, you know, and we is what led up to that as we come around the corner. We weren't even hunting, uh, looking for elk. We were just driving to the next location. Yeah, you know, we're not we're not necessarily road hunters. But anyway, we come around the corner and boom, there's three elk standing in the, in yeah. the road. And she, I, I had to tell her, I said, let me stop the truck first. <laughs> I mean, she's trying to get out of the truck. Yeah. You know, so, she, that, so the elk kind of gets her excited. No, so, yeah. And she, I'm glad to see that, the, you know, she. The, wants, the spark's she, been lit. I'm glad to see that she wants to pursue this and yeah. be, you know, and, 
and just you know growing up as a young woman i mean you yeah don't, you don't see many women hunters no the, so you know. i i think it's only like 10 percent of hunters are in women. the united states are mm-hmm. women yep uh i would bet that there is more youth hunters than there are actual women hunters yeah yeah i have to agree with that yeah yeah yeah, because at some point, I mean, everybody tries to get their child in the hunt, and you know, if they're a hunter. Yeah. So I would assume. Yeah. But, so that that's kind of where I'm at with Mark is he got that first turkey this year that mm-hmm. we talked about on the last podcast. He's hook line and sinker. Yeah. He's ready to go. Mm-hmm. Every chance. Hey, what are we doing now? What are we doing now? We have a we got a whiteboard up here on the wall that tells us what is coming up in season. Yeah. And we've already talked about what hunts we're going to go on because. Uh, and COVID shut football down for mm-hmm. us this year, so we're not doing youth football. So now it's like, oh, hey, we have all these opportunities just right in line with the age he came to be able to start hunting. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, we're getting into this, and he is total on board. He is ready to go. And uh, But, yeah, it's 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 great being able to hunt with kids. What do you got, Brad? I was just going to give a quick update. Roughly there's about 11% of the hunters in the United States of America are women. Yeah. Not youth. Not youth, women, but, but women, in women. women in general is only 11, is 11% percent. out of the roughly 14 million hunters that are out there any given season. Yeah, and that, and in my opinion, that's too low. Yeah, yeah there, no, there's, absolutely. There's no reason. Mm-hmm. You know, my my wife does a little bit of hunting. She's more of a, she don't like the cold type deal, so elk hunting's not quite her mm-hmm. deal. But my mother-in-law, she is, every opportunity that they have to hunt, she's out there hunting. My my mom doesn't hunt. I, I think yeah. maybe another thing to point out, too, is just the sheer fact that uh, maybe men won't admit it, but uh, women might be slightly better at hunting than us because they're that much more patient yep. Yeah. Yep. to wait for the right opportunity mm-hmm. instead yep. of kind of forcing the opportunity, yeah. which is which is why there should be more women hunter out there harvesting. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, the... Uh, just seeing my daughter wanting to pursue it, and I don't force my children to hunt. I yeah. do not. That's no. not something you do. I ask her, "Do you? Would you like to go hunting yep. this year?" She doesn't waste any time. Yeah. Yep. When yep. are we going? Yeah. When are we going? Yeah. You know? And I and I'm and so I've got my son hunting, and my daughter is she's three years younger than him, and she hasn't got the full itch for it, mm-hmm. but she's gone out on hikes with me while I'm hunting, and she loves it. Obviously, you know, being it. 10 years old she's you know they're short trips with her you know she's you know she ain't got the legs for it yet she can't be out there covering you know eight miles in a day like dad can (laughs) no cutting type deal uh but yeah my son i didn't i didn't make him do you want to do this Mm -hmm. is this something you want to do you know Mm -hmm. you i've heard stories of older people that stopped hunting and they're like i was told i had to and I, I I don't I don't like making your kids do something like with sports. My son said that he's done with football after this year. He wants to go rodeo. It's like yeah you know yeah I'm not gonna make you do it you know he, yeah. you know he uh, we 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 put him into a sport. Hey you want to wrestle? Okay did wrestling for a couple of years. Next year no nah, no I'm not I'm kind of over it yeah. you know did base we did baseball for a, a little bit. You know he really liked baseball but it just. Yeah, it kind of wore off on him. Yeah, just forcing Fo- kids. Football, football was the same way this year. He's like, you know what, Dad? I'm kind of glad that COVID mm-hmm. wiped out football because I would, I didn't want to tell you that I didn't want to play because you were coaching, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to 
and I knew he knew how much I enjoyed coaching and he mm. didn't want to take that away from me. And I was like, well, you still have to tell me, yeah, be honest with me. Hey, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Your parents are going to support it. It's, it's our job as parents to support our kids. Mm-hmm. And all we're doing is giving them options for the path that they want. Mm-hmm. We can't, we can't clear, we can clear only clear the road the best we can for them to make the best options to go left or right or mm-hmm. however, whatever direction they want to go from there. And so that's, yeah, it's, it's awesome that your daughter has got that itch. Yeah. And I, like I said, especially as a, as a, you know, as a, as a young lady, a female, you know, yeah. it's, I, I'd like to see her pursue it into her adulthood. Yeah. Know? So, and I think another conflict for youth in general is when they are involved with those high school athletics, drum club, band, orchestra, choir, is they get a lot of pressure from their leaders of those programs to not go hunting because if they miss out then they you know threaten yeah. to drop grades and things mm-hmm. like that um, that's something that I experienced growing up at least yeah. was hunting season falls right in the middle of football mm-hmm. and I was in our and, uh, and they always want to put on you well what's more important well on, to be honest with you I'm not going to be an NFL player so going hunting is going to be more beneficial for me than if I miss one week of football it's like yeah. it's not that big a deal if I miss one week of football well and, and that was always my thing with them I was like well I guess someone gets more reps than me this week for once. exactly so going to be great for them yeah um, but that that is something too that a lot of youth experience even coming mm-hmm. into middle schools those pressures where they don't want to let down the team yeah they kind of get um ostracized for it ostracized they get uh, a lot of flack from from people for it yeah and at the end of the day it's like no, you gotta do it for you because yeah it, it's most beneficial for you to go do what you want to do in my opinion uh, just for me my experiences is i remember more of those hunting trips that I took that I missed football than I do the seasons of football themselves. Exactly. Me too. Yeah. Same. Or any sport. You know, most, mm-hmm. It was mostly football because the fall sports, fall hunting. I remember the hunt the most and then second most I remember being ostracized and then having to sprint a whole lot the following yeah. week to make up for it. That's terrible. As a youth football coach, in my opinion, that's a terrible coaching strategy. Well, <laughs> that that is not a way to ki- keep kids coming back for more. Well, a lot of it is, um, I mean, I don't know if it still happens, but you hear stories of, uh, like in the Midwest or whatever, small towns shut down during hunting season. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. kid, school's canceled for a week. Yeah, go canceled. hunting. Yeah, you know, Eastern Oregon, they yeah. cut school out early so kids can go help families farm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. same Oregon. type of deal. So it's like a cultural thing. Yeah, exactly. Eastern yeah. Oregon, they support people going out. Yeah. You know, all their students going out and hunting or helping around during hunting season. You know, because if uh, you lose half of your family to the hunting season, then there's still stuff to do at the farm yeah. or I've, around the house in general. So yeah. I've heard stories uh, being in like in the Midwest, northern Midwest type areas. The best time to go hunt in your neighbor's property is on a Sunday when he's at home watching a football game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be a good time to go take a walk through the neighbor's backyard and go get one. He's busy. He's busy watching yeah. football. You know, but yeah, uh, yeah. So my, oh, I'm hoping that my daughter, in the next few years, is going to get that itch, the way my son did. Mm-hmm. And another strategic way that I really got him into it is. From what you know, I started with turkey hunting. Yeah. Had a blast. So you and I just recently started turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. It was at three years ago we we started turkey hunting together. And 
you got one, and I, I still haven't got one, but just the first time that we went hunting and you getting one, I was locked and loaded. Like turkey hunting, I am in this mm -hmm. full bore. Yeah, and it was, uh, it, 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 the, I think Steve Ranella had, was talking about this at one mm -hmm. point on yeah. one of his episodes about the turkey hunting is that yeah. most, most people who get he, into hunting for the first time. Yeah, he was talking about introducing adults yeah, into hunting. Yeah, usually their first hunt is a turkey hunt. Yeah. You know, because there's less emotional attachment to, yeah. you know, and that's. It kind of leads up to my wife is the same way. She she tells me she goes, I don't think I can shoot a deer, but I can shoot a bird. You know, yeah. She she can shoot. She'll shoot geese, turkey, whatever. Yeah. So something about that. Bambi. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, little girls watching Bambi. You know? little, little kids watching Bambi. <laughs> so, Bambi was a deer, and his dad was an elk. I don't understand how that yeah. worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, or a stag or whatever it yeah. was. Well, it is twenty twenty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, emotional attack. I, I remember a little, my first deer hunt was a doe tag in Eastern Oregon. And I, so I was probably 13 or 14, and I remember having those thoughts is, can I pull the trigger? Because mm -hmm. I goose hunted up till then. You know, we did a lot of goose hunting. Mm -hmm. We did, we jack, we did hunt jackrabbits and birds. You know, there, there wasn't a bird within a mile of my cousin's and grandparents' house when we were kids over in East Morgan. <laughs> yeah. We shot everything that flew. So mm -hmm. I, But I did have that slight feeling to myself that am I going to be able to pull the trigger? Mm -hmm. It got to the point that I did pull the trigger, and I missed. And I just kept pulling the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, before, before I actually finally harvested my first deer, I actually, you know, I, I got fucking trigger happy. It's like, oh, there's deer. And I didn't, I was, and my dad and my grandpa were able to tell me what I was doing. Like, yeah. you're not aiming, you're just shooting. Yeah. Like, we know you can shoot. Mm -hmm. You're not shooting right now. Yeah. Yeah, you're just... Yeah. Buck fever in it. Yeah, you're just buck <laughs> fever in it. But it's same, so, yeah. but yeah. Just um, excitement. Yeah, excitement. So I remember that. But, and, uh, uh, yeah, the, uh, you're talking about the kids and stuff. And I, I always, whether we're, whether we're, you know, actually out there hunting or eating our harvested animal at the dinner table, I always try to instill in them to, uh, you know, respect the animal. Absolutely. You know, um, you know, something makes me sick to my stomach was, uh, I think it was, what, a year ago or two years ago, they caught those kids on uh, social media recording themselves kicking that wounded deer. Something like that. I mean, that just is, that is not okay. Uh, it's heartbreaking to think that there are people in general, no matter how old they are, that deem that that's an okay thing to do. Yeah, I mean, it, no. it, it's one thing to, to harvest an animal legally, it's another thing to torture any kind of living creature, mm -hmm. you know, and just be heartless. I yeah. mean, it, it speaks to everyone's character. Uh, that reflects on even, mm -hmm. you know, if it's a youth that's taking out an animal and they're abusing it, mm -hmm. that speaks a lot to how they were raised and it reflects on their parents or grandparents. So at that point, it's, it makes you really question those adults in their life and how mm -hmm. they treat people and animals in general yeah uh, it's uh it's always shocking when those kind of things come up 
because it's just yeah, re- yeah. What, animal respect. You know, I have always taught him that. Uh, you know, I my son, he's five, so he's the typical five-year-old. Sometimes he doesn't want to eat. Sometimes he'll eat ever out he out eat anybody in the house. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just depends on what day it is. Yeah, typical well, five-year-old. I'm, today I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Nine o'clock and it's bedtime. I'm hungry. Yeah, exactly. But he's always talking about hunting with dad and stuff. And I want to go hunting. It, this true story. I'm not even joking. When I left today to come hang out with you guys. My son was in the yard elk hunting. That's what he told me, that's what he, told me he was doing. He yeah. had his backpack on. He had his little wooden gun. That's awesome. He was elk hunting. That's awesome. But anyway, so, um, you know, whether we're at the dinner table or whatever, and my son, well, I'm not hungry. I said, well, if you want to hunt with dad and you would like to harvest an animal, I said, you're going to eat this animal. Yeah. I said, this animal gave its life for you to eat. Yeah. You know, we didn't, we didn't go out and shoot this animal for fun. No. You know? That's not, you know... And that's you had you had you you took away enjoyable memories, but you weren't out there killing for fun. Yeah, no, and, you know, and and I've always you know my I can always right now I can only talk to my oldest daughter because she's the only one that's harvested something. But I've always taught her to you know first thing you do when you walk at the animals make sure it's dead. Yeah. Second thing you do is you thank it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I you know it may may sound goofy to some people, but that's yeah. that's what I teach my children. And a lot of people do it in a lot of different ways yeah. too. Yeah. I, I, every time that I've harvested an animal, I always, you know, give my grace, however that might be at that time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a, a silent thank you and just kind of a nod to it. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, if it was a hard hunt. Yeah. Just and that, I finally found it. You just, you're just to, right there down on it yeah. and you just take that big breath and you don't say just, anything, but that's kind of what that, mm-hmm. that, that relief is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. No, everybody does it their own way. But, yeah. You know. So just the, having the kids involved. And teaching them is just to to me honestly I've like I've told my wife at this point I could care less if I ever harvest another deer it's all you know it's about the kids now at this yeah point. my my, my my grandpa told me that same thing when I was first starting hunting he's like I've killed a hundred deer I'm here to pass it on I, I want to see you guys kill deer mm-hmm. yeah oh. you know yeah I even the last time I went out hunting, I ended up choosing not to shoot a deer when I had a great opportunity at 20 yards because I was at the end of my hunt and I was kind of on a time constraint. But uh, my younger cousins, who are ranging between the ages of 10 to 16 out there in eastern Oregon, they hadn't harvested any deer before. Mm -hmm. That was their first year hunting, so I just made it my goal like, hey, if I get a great shot, you're taking it. Mm -hmm. And they ended up walking away with beautiful five-point whitetail yeah nice four-point muley all animals that i wish that i was yeah. you know taking home because i i haven't taken any trophies but mm-hmm. you know at the same time it's still exciting to see it it was exciting to see yeah. them take the shot and be successful and be excited about it which mm-hmm. uh, you know was was huge it's between making sure the youth get into it and enjoy it but also the other part too is uh you know some of our elderly hunters that are out there that it might be their last year hunting and they just want to take advantage of that and uh harvest you know one more animal to put in the freezer because it might be their last hunt mm-hmm. so those those are my two priorities when i yeah, go out because yeah. it's a lot of my family that's over there on property that's hunting so the priorities are the youth and the elderly and then if there's any deer or elk left afterwards yeah. then i take a shot yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so we got a lot to talk about. So we're going to break this uh, little sit-down session into two parts. Um, so don't forget to uh, to find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, you can find us at On the Horizon with Mark. And 
Give us a like. Give us a give us a follow. Don't forget to rate us on the uh, whatever app you are listening to us on, and we will catch you next time on the horizon. Welcome back to On the Horizon with Mark. Your host Mark Leathers here. Um, I got my my good buddy Jacob here with me. Uh, he just got done telling a couple good stories uh, on our last episode, and I got Brad Magden over here on the computer helping us out with fact checking. So. We left off with hunting with our kids, and we're going to kind of transition into uh, hunting as a, as, as a youth and kind of go over some stories that we kind of touched on there, but we're going to go a little bit farther around the table on some more of that kind of stuff. So um, I was just telling the story about my first uh, doe hunt that I got a little trigger happy on. Had had my, uh, my dad and my grandpa telling me kind of how they know I'm a better shot than I was, <laughs> I was proven to be out on the my first hunt, and then I uh, so I finally did uh, harvest my first doe, and I, I was fortunate enough. I don't know if a lot of people get this, but I was actually fortunate enough to have both my dad and my grandpa with me mm-hmm. on that first deer that I killed, mm-hmm. and that that to me is probably one of the best moments that I cherish as a hunter is having that moment of both my dad and my grandpa with me. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, after that, I, I was able to, uh, my first buck I shot is the biggest buck I ever shot, you know, off an alfalfa field over in eastern Oregon. They get a little, they get a little bigger when they got some good food like that going on. And uh, yeah, that, and that was one of the best times of my life, you know, with my, my dad wasn't with me on, or no, my dad, and, yeah, my dad and my grandpa were with me on that one. So they were able to be with me on my first doe and my first buck that I, I harvested so uh what do you got for us jacob on your uh your first youth hunt well i just i just want to touch a little bit about having grandpa there i uh you know I was, my grandfather was there when uh i harvested my first year which was a doe but three three years ago i shot the biggest buck of my life it's actually uh in the oregon state book but um first thing i thought of was I wish grandpa was here. Yeah. You know, dad was there. So, yeah. you know, but anyway, yeah, having grandpa around, that's something special. Anyhow, um, I was, I got kind of luck, kind of spoiled, lucky. I don't know what you want to call it. When I turned 12, I had hunted with my dad, like I said, since I was old enough to be quiet in the woods. But my first year actually being able to carry a gun, my, uh, uncle lives in Tennessee and he knows a bunch of Missouri boys that's what he calls them a bunch of Missouri boys so anyway I got to go with my dad and we went to Missouri whitetail hunting and it was uh, we're probably as the crow flies probably 20 miles from the Iowa border and uh, so you're in pretty good whitetail country yeah oh yeah so I, like I said, I don't call it luck or I, lucky kid, I guess. My dad took me. But anyway, those deer are thick over there. They are so thick that the hunting season at the time, and I, and this is all going off memory, so if I state something wrong, I apologize. But at the time, it was seven days long. It was one buck tag. An unlimited doe. Mm-hmm. 
so not only did we hit that as a as your standard tags we also uh the guy who put on the hunt um knew a bunch of farmers so we got yeah. all their farm what they called farmer tags over yeah. here we call them lops but uh, uh the good old boys call them farmer tags i don't, yeah. know, I don't <laughs> know what missouri state actually calls them yeah but anyway we uh I get over there and it's just me, a little kid, and amongst all these su- southern boys, kind of. Yeah. You know, and so they're all flipping me shit, I guess yeah. you'd say. Giving you a hard time, yeah. getting, getting you into the club. Yeah. So <laughs> I said, Can you Western boys shoot? You know, and all this stuff. <laughs> so anyway, I was, uh, I can't remember if it was the first day. I, I really don't remember, to be honest with you, but. It was fairly early in the in the time of us being there. I was walking with Dad, and we were coming up out of this creek bottom into a CRP field. And these two does bust out of the of the trees to our left, and they're running to our right. And they were probably seventy five yards away. And I looked at Dad, and he says, "Shoot sure. <laughs> her!" Uh, so I. I rear up and I pull the trigger and down she went and I was just shocked to be honest with you but and the next thing I know dad's shooting and his goes down <laughs> so me as a young hunter not harvesting something especially something on a run on the run my dad had always told me to lead the animal you know you always have to lead the animal well I didn't me as a young hunter shot behind the shoulder mm-hmm Hit her in the hip. Ah. So, didn't kill her immediately, you know. So, we had, we went and dispatched her. We didn't let her suffer. But anyway, that was, uh, that was a pretty crazy time. I mean, if I can remember back as a kid, that Missouri always comes up. That it was, there were so many deer over there. It was insane. My uncle said, he told us, he said, bring a box of shells. And when we, we thought a box of, you know, 20 shells, you go buy out the store shelf. Yeah. Well, my grandpa and dad and uncles that we all they all reload. Yeah. So when he said box, he meant the green box of fifty. A bit, a, yeah. <laughs> bring a box of shells. <laughs> bring bring as much ammo as you can. Yeah. <laughs> we got plenty so, of deer shoot. <laughs> the first time my uncle told my dad that before we actually got over there, he said, "Oh bullshit." He said, "No bullshit. Bring a box of shells." Yeah. We came home with no shells. Oh jeez. Um, there are so many deer over there, so they call it. Because there's so many tags, mm-hmm. and you can harvest legally. I mean, this is all legal stuff. We, yeah. weren't, we weren't out there, you know, just yeah. blast, sky blasting anything ran. But they they told us in the in the beginning meeting, everybody got around. Yeah. And they, the, the guy putting it on had a meeting with everybody. He said, if it's brown, it's down, we'll sex it later. Just don't shoot a cow. <laughs> That's what he said. Oh, wow. That's good advice. So, I mean, it didn't matter. Buck, doe, yeah. fawn. I mean, the deer is so thick over there; it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, really? it's it, it it's it's that. it's hard to explain. Yeah, I mean, really. And by day seven, I was letting deer run by because, be honest with you, I started shooting deer. <laughs> oh wow! You know, yeah. Problem. So, <clears throat> but uh, a statement you never thought you would make. No, never. And and I'm glad looking back now that it didn't ruin me. Yeah. Because I still get a little excited about deer. Yeah. You know. Um, I could see how it could ruin somebody. Yeah. The, the adrenaline factor of it. Yeah. So kind of take the lackluster out of yeah. the hunt. Yeah. So. Because because you're not 
because you're they're trying to manage the population. Exactly. They're not they're not you know the way we think of it over here on the west in in Oregon is we don't have things like that. No. We don't have we don't have that kind of problem. No. You know, and it's we're a strict privilege on yeah. the west coast to get to go and hunt an animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have the, yeah. I I could not imagine that feeling. Yeah, and and as far as I know the east coast or Midwest to East driving deer, what they call deer, drive, deer drive, drive, yeah, deer, is, deer drive. is illegal. Now, oh really? This was twenty plus years ago, yeah. so yeah, <laughs> do with what you want. But when you say deer drive. Uh, what do you mean by that? You got standers and shooters, pushers, standers and pushers. You work, work at find an area you want to work, and you got guys that'll go through and push and and hopefully drive an animal out to somebody on an edge that can yeah. and take it out. So yeah. that was that was the way it was done, and there was game boards around so i i assume it was legal in that area i don't i don't really know i was just a kid yeah i don't know but uh it was uh that kind of goes back to our last episode where we're talking about making sure that your kids know the right thing to do what's right what's ethical yeah Mm -hmm. and and dad and i to my dad's credit and my uncle's really we were were kind of out of our element yeah we were you were relying on people that are in which, that state that know the, the rules and regulations to, which, to point you in the yeah. right direction. Which because because re, reading because reading game laws like in the synopsis it's very much left up to interpretation. Yeah, and 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 now as an adult, you know if you go hunt anywhere you should read it up. But yeah. I, I'm sure it was I'm sure it was legal. I'm yeah, not, I wouldn't, and, and I wouldn't like, have said anything if I didn't know. Yeah, and, and like you said, you we, you can call your local uh, game and fish department. To verify, yeah. If you have a question, and they can verify that for you. Yeah. So if you, if any of our listeners ever have a question about what is legal or not legal in the area you're in, call the local fish and game department to yeah. verify whatever questions it is that you have to make sure that you are on the right side of the law. It's probably safe to say too. If you don't feel comfortable hunting in a certain manner, don't do it until you have the clarification. Exactly. Yeah. Because if you don't do wrong, you can't do wrong. Exactly. No, there's there's always right right and wrong way to do things. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, that was uh that was my experience as a child was uh my first first really first year carrying a rifle hunting. Yeah. So and it wasn't all let me back up a little bit. It wasn't a hundred percent like a hardcore deer drive. Mm-hmm. It it was you know, there was people walking around and there was you yeah. know, everybody it, it was kind of uh, groups of people out yeah. doing their own kind of thing but everybody knew where everybody was at so yeah, I mean it, there, it could be considered I guess because there is people it was it was, in the, it was it was in the gray area yeah I, yeah, yeah. so like, you guys are going to go hunt this knob you guys are going to go hunt yeah, this much. canyon yeah. you guys are yeah. going to go hunt this knob and yeah. you're going to work from here to there yeah well, you have to realize when you hunt in large groups that's going to naturally happen because the deer are going to become unsettled or whatever yeah. animal you're hunting and they're going to look for the next place to run and if someone happens to be in that general area i mean it sometimes that happens just with multiple groups that aren't together hunting that are hunting yeah. general area oh, yeah because because you're out in the you woods animal you're out in the woods and you get your eyes on whatever your deer or elk or whatever you're hunting and you make a stock on them and next thing you know there's already a, there's two guys walking walking up the next ridge that they're where you want to where where you want to be yeah they didn't know you were there no 
you accidentally drove those animals that direction or those animals yeah. were on that path. You know, when you're in the big wide open woods, you don't know everybody that's there. Yeah, and that, you know? that kind of leads up to another story, really, as a kid, is my dad and I, we were, we were walking down this logging road and uh, the, well, we were driving down the logging road, saw elk, jumped out, we started walking, and of course the last elk to run across the road was a big bull. Yeah. We're bull hunting, we're elk hunting. Well, they're headed through the reprod, and not even 500 yards away, we hear boom, boom. Yeah. Shoot. <laughs> so we get back in the truck, walk, drive around, and there's a guy standing on top of the road. He was driving in behind us, but he didn't, I mean, yeah, he didn't no, know. No credit to him, he didn't know we were there. You know, he, he, he may have turned around when he saw us, he may not, I don't know. I'm yeah. just saying. But anyway. He uh, he was on top of the road, and as we're coming back, and stopped talk to him. I'm like, oh, I just shot a bull. You come right out of there with a bunch of cows. <laughs> You're welcome, bud. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Well, at least someone got. How about it, a backstrap for the help, bud? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something for the road. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. So. So, uh, Brad, why don't you give us a little insight on the topic we got going on here? Well, uh, my first successful deer hunt is uh, what comes to mind. I was 14, and uh, we're hunting over in Eastern Oregon on some family property. And basically, we'd spent the whole time just hiking around. I'm shooting a Beretta 270. Uh, I'd only shot the, I've, I've maybe put 100 rounds through this gun on my own. You know, being taught how to sight it in and getting comfortable shooting it and taking it out to the local ranges and shooting. Uh, at that point, I'd never really harvested an actual game animal. I mean, you know, at that point, growing up, you go out and you go prairie dog shooting mm -hmm. and stuff like that with 22s, and that's nothing like your actual first harvest on a big game animal. Yeah. Um, you know, you're pretty disconnected when you're shooting prairie dogs because it's like, oh, there's one. Oh, there's another. Oh, yeah. there's 10 down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're staying down. Let's move to the next spot. But, uh, so these one, yeah, these ones are done popping up. Let's go to the next yeah. spot, see if we get let's, some more to pop let's up. Let's move down 100 yards and hit that hill. Yeah. Um, but, uh, basically, we had spent a couple days out there and, you know, we'd seen some bucks. And I told my dad, you know, I'll shoot when I'm ready. Uh, when I see the one that I want, I'll shoot. Um, I think it was part of it was just the exposure. I didn't, I hadn't been out hunting before. I was kind of unsure of what I should shoot. You mm -hmm. know, I knew that if it had antlers on it and it was uh, brown and it wasn't as big as what I could imagine an elk, it was fair game. <laughs> you know, it, so uh, we're we're hunting around. We're we're hiking up and down the uh, draws and just kind of going around the whole property and. Uh, it started to get dark, you know, most people, at least what I think most people refer to as deadwood, you know, you're not shooting when it's that late because you, you, you don't have a perfect sight and you yeah. don't really want to spend all night searching for something that you wounded. Um, yeah, because legal shooting light is different than dark. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And uh, it's a fine line and it, at the end of the day, it definitely comes down to uh, where you're at and and what you're comfortable shooting in. I mean, if you can still see 100 yards out, in my opinion, that's fair game still. Um, 
So we're, we're working our way back to the cabin. It's getting dark. You know, at this point, I'm kind of a little defeated. Spent all day. Didn't shoot anything. We're getting close to the end of the hunt. And uh, we're walking, and we get to the, we call it Triangle Road. So, of course, on everyone's hunting areas, they have their own landmarks so that way you know how to get back to the cabin yeah. if you're uh, separated. So What you know is as in the map are two different things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you won't find this road on the map because it's under the trees, but it's there. And it's a... Yeah. Uh, it's an intersection on our property that the three main roads come together, but they don't meet in one spot. It's a triangle, and so you can get to each road by going on the outside of the triangle. And I'm walking on one side of it, and I see a buck that's roughly 40 yards out. And he's going through the very middle of it. And it's kind of getting dark, and I'm, I'm kind of second-guessing that I saw antlers, and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't see antlers, and then... And I'm looking, I'm looking, I wait till he gets just to the top of the, the road where I can actually see clearly behind him to make sure that it, it was a buck. And uh, it turns out it was a buck, nice little three-point. And, uh, you know, at this point, I'm, I'm kind of like getting getting that itchy trigger where it's like, you know... Your heart's, your, the heart's starting your, to beat a little heart bit. heart starts beating, you're getting a little anxious. And yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh God, this is it. This is my chance. And, uh, you know, so I, I take a breath and I draw up on it and it stops and uh then it started grazing through and i'm like oh, okay so it went right behind the one tree that was in the way so i stepped to the right and uh it steps out and it's starting to walk away and i don't know what noise it was i don't know if it was me making a noise or something but there was a noise on our side that happened and that deer perked up and stopped moving to look and right at that moment is when i literally Put the uh, the sights directly right on the uh, you know heart lung region. You know, first time shooting one, and then I squeeze the trigger, and it's loud, and that thing jumps, and I'm like, instantly I missed. And you know, you're shaking. It's your first animal that you've shot at. That's that's something that you get to harvest. So you're you're kind of you know full adrenaline's kicked in, and you know, give it a second. Let the adrenaline kind of come back down to a manageable level and start walking up there. And sure enough, ended up uh, double lunging it and it dropped maybe 10 yards. It just, it took off and went right just over the crest. And I thought he was gone because I thought I missed. And get up there and nope, he was uh, dead as a doorknob. And that was uh, that was my first hunt. I had my dad with me. Uh, haven't been fortunate enough to actually get up and go hunting with my grandpa. But, uh, you know, having my dad there you know, walking me through it and kind of coaching mm-hmm. the entire process was uh, mm-hmm. pretty big. Yes. Yeah. You know, that, that experience solidified that I wanted to keep hunting. If yeah. it wasn't for having a good experience, whether I shot an animal or not, uh, having a, a person out there that knows what to do and, and coach you through every bit of it uh, really got me hooked on it. Yeah. And that, that definitely, you know, in this day and age, the hunting is hunting. If, if I get out there at least and I get to see animals, if I harvest, great. But if I don't get to harvest, at least I've got the memories of being out there with the people that are close yeah. to us, which is, yeah. you know, what, what hunting, hunting has evolved for me at least. But uh, that was a, a pretty surreal moment to go up to that and, you know, tongue sticking out of its mouth and it's mm-hmm. dead and, you know, taking them back and then getting the crash course on... Uh, Gutting, skinning, and hanging. Yeah, so that, that that leads me to the question of gutting. Do you do you split the hip, or do you cut around? 
Depends. What 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 were you shown how to do the first time you gutted a deer? Were well, you were you taught to cut that bone, or were you taught to the first to time, cut out the butt? So the first time that we did it, we went around the butt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same, uh, same here. My my grandpa that, my grandpa showed me how to do that first. It wasn't until like a few years later that um, I was hunting with I can't remember who I was with, and they showed they're like, oh, you just do this, and I'm like, what? Boom! Yeah. Mind blown. I'm like, you can do that? Yeah, and and, and it, you know, it wasn't until a couple of deer later, uh, and, and hunting with some of the old men in our family that are out there at the same time, um, you know, the the multi generational hunts that we we have done in the past uh it wasn't until basically this gentleman named don banson uh was out there and i was about to start getting in on a deer and he goes what are you doing it's like well, i'm going right here right down to the butt he's like no 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 this is this is way more efficient <laughs> so he uh, he gave me a crash course just out in the middle of the wheat field i mean we were in and out and three minutes yeah maybe like that guy that guy with the knife is a thing of art it's it's not even close to what my first experience was where you're you're struggling and you're like i i don't know and then watching him do that and teaching me to do that i'm like oh god this is just so much faster have you ever been fortunate enough to gut a deer that's in the back of a truck well next to a truck but not in the back of a truck so me and my cousin and my uncle, we come, we come around the backside of a, f- a field, and we were not where we were going to hunt. We were, we were going to where we were hunting, and in the wheat fields, all of a sudden, deer with antlers just jump up out of nowhere. We didn't even know they were there. We were just walking and going, and next thing you know, deer start, jump up, and I don't know how this happened. You know, just... It's, I think it comes from like bird hunting. When you bird hunted with family members, you kind of know which direction each person... You, you know everybody's lane mm-hmm. when you're hunting. Mm-hmm. So we didn't say a word. All three of us started shooting. All three of us shot a different deer. Yeah. Yep. We, we just, you know, because we had hunted, you know, I'd been hunting with my, my, my cousin and my uncle and my dad and all, you know, it was just me and my cousin and my uncle at that time. And we knew whose deer was who without knowing it you know just having that experience of being with each other boom three deer down we're like well hell trucks we can just drive the truck right up to these you know over in eastern oregon you know there's not a whole and we're just walking along a wheat field headed to where we were gonna hunt so we were able to drive over just grab three deer throw them in the bed of the truck and we were on the neighbor's property and so we're like okay we're not gonna you know we're not gonna get the deer in this field because he's still got to mow this all down. So we throw him in the truck, and then we take him over to another, you know, a sagebrushed area and gutted him in the back of the truck. So my cousin had a lot more experience living in Eastern Oregon, being able to help out gutting everybody's deer and all this. So he was a lot more proficient at it than I was. So he gutted two of the deer, you know, because he's gutting dad's deer. Dad's kicking back having a cold one hunts over mm-hmm. i'm taking my time i'm making sure i'm doing it right next thing i look over my cousin's on the second one i'm like what the hell he's just he is just slicing and dicing yeah. ripping guts out i'm like you've definitely done this a few more times than i have <laughs> yeah. but not have you know 
not having to bend over and be on the ground. Oh, hey, where'd my knife go? You know, oh, hey, you yeah. put my knife on the tailgate. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, well, and we've been fortunate enough, too, over where we're at, that, uh, you know, we, we can hang our deer right yeah. when we shoot them. We can just go to town on them hanging, too. So the, So you've got a deer hanging up? Yeah. I've it, never done that. Walk, walk us through that. How, how interesting is that? The only, What's, the only what what are your big differences between on the ground laying down is to hang everything's it up? exposed when it's hanging up, mm-hmm. so you don't have to flip the deer over, you don't yeah. have to move around it, you don't have to worry about really losing any of your tools. Yeah, uh, which is really really nice yeah. because uh, so more times you, than not, I'm usually you know hovering over the top of it and I can't find it for five minutes and I'm frustrated and then you're just pissed off. That's why I bought a knife that has a orange handle. <laughs> uh, why would anybody buy? A camo uh, a knife. camouflage <laughs> skin and gut knife. That does not make any sense to me. Why you would do that? Yeah, right. it, yeah, it looks cool. That way you know it's your hunting knife. That way you know it's your hunting knife. But it's <laughs> like I'm like I am because I had a wood hand. I had the old blade trader, the old Kershaw blade trader. Mm, yeah. With a wood, black handle. Yep. Sure shit. I'm gutting one in the fucking dark with a headlamp on. I can't find the motherfucker. Like what the fuck is you, going on? <laughs> so I'm like, so I'm like, you know what? I am buying. A knife with an orange handle, so I don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. Well, and what we ended up starting to do too, uh, for you know any of those situations, you know, remember those little, uh, those little Lushwab labeled uh, blue lights my dad always had. Yeah, ordered? yeah, yeah. Little so keychain lights. We start putting those on everything. So yeah. as soon as you start going to town on something, you turn that light on, so that way you can always find. Might not be the one you're looking for, but you'll at least find it <laughs> while you're looking for the one that, you know. Because um, yeah. last thing you want to do is donate to somebody else's hunting collection. No, <laughs> the, last, the last thing you want to do is accidentally forget in the middle of the field that you'll never come across again. Yeah. yeah. And nobody will, you know. But, uh, yeah, the, the biggest advantage, honestly, when, when they're hanging and you're working on a deer is just the sheer fact that, uh, one, everything's exposed and open. You don't have to roll the deer around. You don't have to work around it. Yeah. It's hanging right in front of you. You can rotate the deer life's easy but the biggest advantage is just gravity works in your advantage yeah. so you know the moment you're pulling guts out even though even if you barely got a grip on something you start pulling now it now, now are you head up or head down head down head down head down everything falls down yes and you really can't mess that one up so it, it keeps life simple when yes. you're working on it yeah and, and, i uh, i always grew up skinning a deer head down Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I started hunting with my in-laws to where they did head up. And they pull from the shoulder, and, like the and neckline down. That's how, I, that's no, how we do it. Yeah, they they go from the neckline down, and mm-hmm. I, I couldn't, I was like, I felt like, I felt like an idiot. I was like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> I, because I'm so used to back legs up, you go around those back legs, and you get around the back hands, and you can just literally pull it back down to the front shoulders. You zip, you, you zip the front legs. Skin around the legs, and it just comes off so much easier. I don't know. It, it, I, it, I just grew up doing that, so it, yeah. I was very uncomfortable doing it. It's like, I don't know how you guys do this. Well, I mean, <laughs> you, you, take, you take that mentality and you put it to anything. You take yeah. it when you're working on semi-tires. Yeah. And you are you do it one way for so long, and you're proficient at that. And you and see somebody else doing it, and you're and like, doing what? are a whole different way that you never even thought was possible, and they yeah. do it way more efficient. You're like... I didn't. You're gonna. Yeah. We're gonna. You're gonna teach me right now. Yeah, that's we're right. doing this right now. That's what I say about truck brakes is semi truck brakes. You ask ten different people, you're gonna get ten different answers on how oh. to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, it's whatever, whatever works for you. But yeah. yeah, my family's head up. Yeah. Ass down. Yeah. They just go for, unless we're, you know, unless we're caping it. Yeah. We we go from the throat up to the, up not quite to the chin, but yeah. you know. 
three quarters of the way up the neck, and then skin around the neck, and then pull it down. Unless we're caping, then we go up the up the spine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you got a trophy, you're going up the back. <laughs> if you shoot a trophy animal, do not cut the front of the throat. No. Your taxidermist is not going to like you. No. <laughs> Your bill will be a little higher. Yeah. And don't salt the cape. I'm yeah. hearing. So, do you guys cut the throat? Are you guys throat cutters? Nope. You shoot them in the heart, you don't need to. I do it out of uh, total habit anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a couple of deer where, you know, they were close to death or yeah. so, and it's like, well, I don't want you suffering. Yeah. So, you know, end it for them. But out of habit anymore, unless I know it's a for sure thing, I always cut. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here, Delilah. Um, just to make sure. Plus, depending on how they're laying, uh, and you want to get the blood out quicker, that's a, a pretty good way to go. Yeah. The last year that I shot, um, I shot him when he was facing downhill. So as soon as I knew that he was dead, I was like, "Hey, let's just start getting this blood out." Yeah. And I, you know, I went and I cut his throat. And uh, how I ended up shooting him, uh, he was already bled out by yeah. the time that I got to him. But I didn't know because how he was laying. But I went up there and literally cut the throat, and it was. Uh, it was just air. There was nothing. Yeah. It was yeah. dry. And, uh, yeah, that thing had blood out. I shot him through the heart twice. So when I <laughs> when I first, the first animal I harvest, my grandpa told me, it's like, yeah, you got to cut their throat and bleed them. But after doing that a couple of times, I really noticed I wasn't getting any blood really yeah. coming out of it. Because yeah, like you are saying, shoot them in the heart, you know. I've been fortunate enough to harvest animals and not have to chase them. I've had one that ran maybe 30 yards. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I have fortunately, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know if it was just my background growing up hunting, but I was thankful enough to the deer that I harvest, they drop where they're standing. Yeah. And that's a that's a good feeling. Yeah. I've had, I've had, it's a, it's a great feeling because it's boom down done, you know that you're, you're not going to have to chase an animal. You're not worried about if it's wounded or not. Mm-hmm. It takes out so many elements. It's such a relief. Boom. There. Down. Oh, thank God. Yeah, and it's like... You know, I've had to chase other people's animals. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, not, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I'm just saying, yeah. you know, I, I, that's the reality that oh, yeah. we've had to chase other people's animals. and yeah. But luckily, you know, I've basically have been able to find everything I've shot within... Yeah. I'd say 50 yards is the furthest one ran, and I to this day I don't know how it ran with no heart. 50 yards. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, your t- your turkey gave us a good fucking go around. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, but I. Well, because yeah. you're not looking for a you're not looking for horns or you're looking for a little buff ball that looks like all the brush that's laid yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only annoying part, or uh, for some people, the chase of when you shoot a deer is uh, when they do take off and they don't die within that first hundred yards. You lose sight of them for a second. Those animals are uh, really desperate to not let you find them. Yeah, I've I've come across deer that people in our party have shot, and you know you're going down through the draw where they ran down into, and you're walking along a dried up creek bed, and you're looking and you're looking, and sure shit, you can't find them. Yeah, and that and, and, that, and that they're they're stuffed underneath a, a down log or something like that. Yeah. Like they'll go and, and burrow underneath. And that and that brings up uh, pushing an animal that's wounded. I thankfully have never been put in that position. Mm-hmm. Me growing up with my family hunting, that was never talked about. Yeah. It was, no, that deer's right over there. Go over there. That's where, you know, because we, my family did a lot of hunting off horseback. Mm-hmm. 
and so we're deep in the deep in the woods, and or no, I guess it, deep in the des- the high desert <laughs> of Eastern Oregon. Yeah. You know, sagebrush is six feet tall. Uh, but tall, but we right? never. But that ne- that was never a conversation when I was a kid of don't push the animal. Yeah, I got a lot of miles on my feet of my dad bow hunting with me just following him. You know, he never successfully harvested an elk. You know, but a lot of it. A lot of our miles was him just trying to get out in the woods with kids. Mm-hmm. And I remember me and my sister just following dad around. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It wasn't that. Yeah, he was hunting. We were hoping to see something. <laughs> yeah. But there was a big learning curve for from what I perceive now to what I remember him doing. He was still learning how to hunt the the area there was elk in the area we were in yeah that's the weird thing about elk is i should let me back it's not weird about elk it's weird about anything you can be the best hunter in the world but it still comes down to being in the right place at the right time you know no no all you can do is try to to increase your advantages of whatever those markers are of being you know because every area is different you have to be able to Put yourself in the right position. Like I said, we were when we were hunting with my dad. Yeah, we were in an area that had elk, but he's also got two kids behind him. Yeah. And that brings uh, when we were talking to what's your buddy down there, Roseburg, what's his name? John. John. We were talking with John, who guided, and he's like, "That's one of the biggest misconceptions a lot of people think of. They have to be super quiet. You're super quiet. You break a stick. You're- that alerts the animals." That there's possibly a predator, because yeah. predators want to be quiet. Walking through the woods, that's a natural, a natural sound mm-hmm. that the animals are going to pick up. So, I was having this conversation with my dad because my dad is a real slow walking hunter. My uncle was a billy goat hunter. Like everybody's on horseback, we're going to put David on his feet, and he's going to take the farthest route. And we're going to meet here, and he's David's going to fucking beat us back. Yeah. And my dad told guys like that. My dad, yeah, my dad told me he's like, you know what? I'm a slow hunter. I never see shit. David walks through the woods like a bull elk, and he no, does nothing but run into animals all the time. Yeah, yeah, and I, I've learned that. And that's real hard for me because I was taught to be quiet. But yeah. then I hear advice from a guy who, who has been guiding elk hunts for twenty plus years, mm-hmm. and he's like, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so now, and now my dad hunts with me, and. The area that we elk hunt, I, he gets to be up there the whole time, and I usually only have a couple of days. So he's like, "You walk in front of me." Mm-hmm. That was weird for me. Hunting with my dad, spending up. so many years behind him, behind him, yep. and there was that weird time where all of a sudden, Dad said, "I'll follow you." Yep. Oh, that was weird. Do you remember that as a kid? I remember. Yeah, you know when basically your dad's giving you the reins, pretty yeah. much, and he did say. You get the first shot. After that, it's fair game. But you know, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but, but yeah, he was kinda, nice, enough, nice enough to say, "Hey, you get the first shot." After yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I I would like to touch on that. Uh, you know, I I do now understand that there is a there there is always a time when you do need to be quiet. Yeah, but yes, when you're a hundred and ten percent quiet, and, and you, you break that or you break you, that one stick, you break that one stick, or you yeah. kick and that I, one log over. You trip mm-hmm. over something, that is an indicator to those animals something's fucking wrong. Yeah, we, we I I learned this firsthand. It took me a long time to learn it, but you know, 
two years ago, my daughter got that elk. We were, we were in the middle of them. We were in the elk. I mean, yeah. there was elk to my left, there was elk to my right, there was elk in front of us. Yeah. And they were all within 30 yards of yeah. us. And they were noisy as shit. They were so loud. You could hear them tearing leaves off the brush, eating them. You can hear them chewing. You could hear them stepping on whatever the hell they felt like stepping on. Yeah. So, I'm assuming they winded us because we were just standing there. We weren't, you know. Yeah. Either one of them saw us through the trees or winded us. They, yeah. they took off, ran about 100 yards, stopped. Everybody started, all the girls started cow calling. Yeah. Bullet off a little tiny, bu- short little bugle. So I told my daughter, I said, we're just going to walk over there. Yeah. Don't sneak. Just walk over there. Yeah. So what? If we go crunching over there, boom, we're 30 yards from them again. And we, we were not quiet. Yeah. By any means. Yeah. And, you know, so... I don't know. There is a time. Yeah, because you see videos and shit. Of, I just saw a video on Instagram of a guy who was standing there with his bow like this. The guy had a camera directly in front of him, and he videotaped the bull walking right up. That guy could have poked the bull in the nose with his bow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and, and my dad could tell you stories at some point about when we're out there, and he, he likes to really get into it, and... Uh, be full gillies on some days which <laughs> spots on the property he's gonna hunt but uh sometimes he'll post up at the bottom of a tree looking like he's just brush and he'll have yeah. you know deer and elk walk right up to him there's one hunt that uh he was sitting at the bottom of a tree and he had two does that just kept coming over and they'd literally put their nose on him yeah and he'd have to literally poke him get him yeah. to go away get out of here i'm not looking and for then, you yeah 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 you know it's, it's elk season it's full elk season archery and and he's sitting there, and he's having to push him away with uh, his hands. And finally, they wouldn't leave him alone. So he finally stood up and just literally just, you know, full outreach. And they finally, you know, realized this isn't something that we're supposed to be messing with. And he, they take off. And then it was within 10 minutes of that that he ended up down in a bowl about 15 yards yeah. from him that came right up to that same spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that leads me to something you and I have talked about of camouflage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What's your opinion on camouflage? <laughs> well, I've shot more deer in a $20 Bimart flannel, <laughs> red and black flannel, than I have my $150 camos. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, and, and a lot of it is, um, I think a lot of it has to do with how you hunt. Yes. As a rifle hunter, you automatically have an advantage of what's in your hand. Yes. Right off the top. Range-wise. Range-wise. Yeah, exactly. Bull, uh, you know, bull elk archery, it's a different ball game. I mean, yeah. they're, they're not going to... The story you just told about your dad with them does, no. they're not going to walk up to a guy in a flannel. No. You know, it, I, I think it's, it's odd. I think it's situational-based. Yeah. Um, a lot of it, you know, especially if you want to get into turkey hunting, the, the, the turkey hunting subject. Yeah. I mean, those things can see better than a deer. Now. Oh, yeah. So... I think a lot of it's situational based, and I, if I want to kill yeah. something, I put on my twenty dollars buy mark flannel. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you you got you got you have what I refer to as killing clothes. Yeah. So I, I will, you know. So I've been on a pretty good dry spell for harvesting an animal. It's been seven years since I've harvested an animal. You know, I didn't spend 
every single one of those years hunting financially you know, yeah. you know having having a wife and kids and a life sometimes oh, yeah. there's years you just can't get out because yep. you either don't have the money you don't have the time you do yep. the best you can so i'm on a i'm on a seven year dry spell which is a long fucking time yeah i've yeah. been with people you know i've been with you harvested a turkey my son's harvested a turkey you know i i've been with i've been hunting with people harvesting granted it wasn't me and i'm okay with that because i still have the experience of being out there and doing it even the years that that I went out and didn't get, didn't harvest anything, I, I was still hunting. Yeah, yeah. To, to me, hunting is not killing something. It's the experience. The experience doing. is what I'm after. The reward is the harvest of that. Yeah, and that's that's what I instill in my children too. Is I always tell them, you know, yeah. my oldest hunting with her now. I I tell her I said, you know, harvesting something is only half the experience. Mm-hmm. The other half is being out in the woods, enjoying it, seeing what you see. I mean, because once you put an animal down, that's when the work starts. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and now, I, you're no you're no longer out there you're no hunting. Longer now the work starts. Yeah, and I always tell her, I say, you know, could you imagine? Just look back and imagine the things, the sights we've seen. Oh yeah. You think you would have seen that sit on the couch? You know, and no. she says no. Well, there you go. You yeah. know, you're, you're not going to see what you see. Yeah hunting sitting on the couch yeah so so us turkey hunting this past year just being out in the woods we found a new spot to elk hunt yeah and we put in for that tag we got the tag we know where the elk are they may not you know granted we're springtime but we know there's elk in that general those elk ain't gonna go 100 miles from Mm -hmm. where they were they may be on a different uh another ridge line or something like that Mm -hmm. but uh going back to, to how you hunt I know guys that kill elk with cigarette hanging out of their mouth. Oh, my, my grandfather <laughs> killed. I, I was thing. I was talking to a buddy of ours that we elk hunt with. He's like, "That's how I know what direction to go. I get my cigarette out. I see which way the wind's blowing. Yeah. Okay, I'm going this way." Yeah, my grandfather killed everything in Oregon with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. I'm sure. Yeah, it smoked like a chimney. So I would assume yeah. so. You know, because a lot of people are all about uh, keeping everything scent free. You know, what they have what is that silver lined camo or something like that? Yeah, you have something all the like different that. Scent Scent lock. So I had a bu- I, I had a guy I worked with that they had this big old boy that they hunted with, big guy, you know, three hundred pounder, and he's like this dude it smelled like bo no matter what time of day you caught him whether he was dry as just reeked like nothing you could imagine, and he had bought one of those shirts that locked in the scent or whatever, and they hunted an area and. He picked him up on the road where they were meeting and picked him up, and he had that shirt on, drove down the roadways, pick up the next set of guys. He got out, took that shirt off. He, he said it was just a blast of B.O. coming at him. They're like, He's like, that fucking shirt works real fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> well, because uh, when we were starting to talk about turkey hunting there, we saw those ads for those uh, that camo that was supposed to... Your eliminate your electrical signal electrical signal or something, or something yeah. like that it's yeah. Could, yeah. Be, could be witchcraft I don't yeah know. It, <laughs> yeah it could Maybe be ju- it could be just up. a clever way to sell camel but <laughs> it like i was like my point earlier it's all right place right time yeah yeah and and there's always a time and place for i as a rifle hunter now i still use i mean i don't i don't purposely go roll around and you know the stinkiest thing I find and go hunting, but yeah. I don't spray myself down like archery. Yeah, I don't wash my clothes like archery, but I still will play the wind. Yeah, 
If I if I'm I, I still do if, the best I can to make sure that I wash my the camouflage clothes I have in a scent free type yeah. you know because mm-hmm. there's so many products out there that you can buy. I don't know. I don't know if any of them work as yeah. good as they say they do. Yeah. You know. Every, you know. It could, it could work one time and they post that video of look how this worked type deal. Yeah. yeah. So I, I like just this year, daughter elk hunting, we came up on this. There was two knobs. We were kind of in the crotch and there was literally elk sign going both ways. It could have gone either way. So I went, figured out which way the wind was going and we went with the wind in our face. Yeah. Because if we got on top of that knob, the wind could be different. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But... If we get on top of the knob and there's something there, and the wind's still in our face, we have another advantage. Yeah. So, you know, I, I always still try to play the wind if I can. Um, like I said, as a rifle hunter, you come up over the ridge, boom, there's something 100 yards. It's yours. Yeah. You know, archery, well, that's a different story. Yeah, that's a totally different story. Yeah. So, the, just kind of found a brief little bit about what's called a stealth screen. The evolution of concealment, which is the yeah, I think you called it silver screen earlier. Yeah, but you're on right side. Something like that. Something like yeah, that. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure every major brand has their own copyrighted uh, name for yeah. it. Yeah. South screen, all that. But uh, it was just a lining inside it that helped. Like that, yeah. Helped to keep the locker odor in. Natural electric energy field by forming a conductive shroud around the hunter's body. That sounds a little much, in my opinion, yeah. since uh, throughout the history of hunting since the cavemen were throwing spears and hints up with clubs. I mean, they didn't have to worry Eating about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure that there's a, a use for it somewhere. I don't think I've encountered any situations yeah. that I think... And I think that you do, do you guys, either of you, hunt with wool? Mm, no. With what? Wool? wool. No, I'm, I'm all that new synthetic Under Armour and uh, all that stuff. Yeah. So, my dad always hunted with wool he had a wool pants and a wool shirt you know and he in his opinion it was quieter with shit rubbing off of you and and i never i don't i don't really like the feeling of wool on me that makes me itch like crazy. it makes me itch like crazy i'm sure i'm sure you could it's supposed to be more breathable mm-hmm. you know because cotton but so i have naturally sweaty feet so i can't wear wool socks, socks. Yeah. or halfway through the day I can't walk anymore yeah. because my feet are soaked you know there's guys that will tell you they're doing backcountry hunts and, and they bring them. one pair of socks yeah. there is absolutely no way I can do that <laughs> no you know the, the only time that I ever wear like wool is if I know I'm going to be around fire and if I know that I'm going to be wearing cowboy boots for an extended amount of time yeah keeps your feet from blistering when you're square dancing yeah. and line dancing and swing dancing <laughs> That's about the only time I ever pull out the wool socks. Yeah. If I'm like, you know, I'm either gonna be in the shit or I'm gonna yeah. be uh, uh, moving around and and dancing type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Other than that, the wool stays away. And I think, yeah, I, I think at some point, no matter the camo or the clothes that you're wearing, animals, I would swear, have like a sixth sense. Yeah, I've been in situations I because oh, they're oh. constantly worry about predators yeah. that's on the back of their I mind was, they're feeding predators yeah i was i was up on a, on a rocky knoll and i'm i'm stemmed, i'm watching this little valley and about 200 yards from me this doe and fawn walk up come out of the tall sage and they're kind of side hilling 
And I'm not moving. I'm not doing anything. I'm not fiddling my backpack. I'm just sitting here watching them. And probably 15 minutes goes by, and she stops and looks right up at me. Dead dead at me. I, I don't know if it was my silhouette. Something looked out of place. But it's like she knew where to look, and she knew something was there. Well, I mean, if, if you think about it, when you're out hunting, there's a there's a moment where when you're out there in the woods, especially if you're branched off with people and you're by yourself, and you know you're being watched. Oh, yeah. You get that weird little uh, weird Spider-Man dude. sense yeah. of tingling, and mm-hmm. uh, that, that causes you to start looking around for that normal things mm-hmm. that, you know, are out there, and you're like, okay, where's that set of eyes that's on me? Because mm-hmm. this is an eerie feeling. I mean, if you've ever been stalked by a predator when you're out hunting, you know when you're being stalked. There's a sudden shift in uh, just I don't know I don't know when and, and how, but you go from hunting, and all of a sudden you get this weird feeling, and all of a sudden now you're on the defense of trying to figure out mm-hmm. at what point did I cross the line that I became the target for something. The hunted. The hunted, and, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's an eerie feeling. It changes your entire mentality from looking for deer or elk to. Where is this thing coming from, and and where where do I need to go, you know, to retreat to? Yeah, if you if you've been hunting long enough, you've you've had that feeling and, at some point. And sometimes it's not anything major, and sometimes you know the next day when you hunt that exact same line that you're already on, mm-hmm. you come across a set of cougar tracks, and you're like, okay, that confirms my suspicion that there was something mm-hmm. that was watching me, it might still be watching me. You yeah, know. there's um, cougar tracks in your boot tracks. <laughs> I've seen that. Oh, we've had we've had cougar tracks on our cabin porch fresh you know just tracked through mud where earlier in that night when we were out there you know waiting for the next day to start and you're sitting out there just relaxing uh, you know having a beer or whiskey a little nightcap before you know nine o'clock hits so you can get some bed and uh you step out there in the morning to pee off the edge and you're looking down oh shoot that's a fresh track on here. Is that yeah. thing under the porch? Yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty unsettling. Those yeah. ones happen. He's like, okay, those were here. Like, yeah. Great. Yeah. Deer, deer, elk, antelope. I mean, any prey animal. Their, their sole purpose in life is to make it to the next day. Yeah. Yeah. You know that that's what they're good. eating, sleeping, and surviving. That's what they do. Yeah. You know, and certain times of year breeding, but you yeah. know, <laughs> you know, but mainly it's just making it to the next day. You know. So yeah. They. They have to have that sixth sense almost. Yeah, yeah, it's a survival instinct. They have, they have to have that because that's what they're faced with every day of their life. Yeah. Well, I think I think the a lot of people that go out hiking that do come across the predators that get unfortunately attacked or have those encounters. They they don't have that awareness to think that there is a predator out there. Yeah. And that's when they become the biggest target because, well, to their knowledge, they they have nothing to worry about. Whereas hunters. You know, you're out there and you're walking around and you're thinking, there might be a bear, there might be a cougar, mm-hmm. there, hell, there might be a pack of coyotes over there that are, you know, a little rambunctious, or there might be a wolf that's, you know, a wolf pack that's on the other side of the ridge that's yeah. uh, howling, but, you know, there's a definitely a mentality shift, too, between yeah. being a hunter and, and not. Yeah. All right, so uh, we're about out of time, so we're going to wrap it up here uh jacob you got anything for us for the road well i just you know if you think about taking your kids hunting just you know do your best at uh teaching them the right way yeah you know that's yeah you know ethically morally everything you know just do it right um don't make them do it 
Yeah. Because that'll naturally make them not want to do it. Yeah. And then, as in a, if you're a new hunter yourself, getting into it, and, you know, like Mark said, seven-year drought, don't give up. I mean, yeah. Mark and I joke about one day we'll get so bad at turkey hunting we can't not kill them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we've had, yeah, we've had that kind of... <laughs> So. We've had some rough turkey hunting experiences <laughs> with birds all around us. One of these days, we're going to get all this shit figured out, and we're going to get to the point where we're not going to be able to not kill turkeys. You're going to do you're going to do so much wrong. There's nothing left to do wrong. Yeah, you're exactly. doing things right. Exactly. So just don't give up. Yeah. And just stick it, stick with it. Yeah. Brad, what you got for the road? You know, the, uh, all I can say is I agree with uh, everything you said before me. Just get into it, get the knowledge of uh, your local hunting laws, mm-hmm. and in all reality just get out there and get into it and find yeah. out if it's for you. you you may find that you like just being out there and hunting with somebody but they're doing the hunting and you may find out that you want to be the uh the big bad elk slayer or deer slayer out there that everyone strives to be so just uh all you can do is get into it yeah all right well uh thanks for listening everybody um if you have any questions or comments or if you guys have a specific topic you would like to hear us uh, weigh in on go ahead and email us at on the hunt or I'm sorry, on the horizon with Mark at gmail.com. And don't forget to uh, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, you can find us at on the horizon with Mark. And uh, yeah, if you got any questions or comments, feel free to let us know. And uh, we'll see you next time on the horizon.